This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Going on a Friday edition. Welcome to the program. It is Sportsnet today on a Friday, June 2nd, coming at you live on the road from Speargrass Golf Course. Special edition of Sportsnet today on this Friday afternoon. We are overlooking the links of Speargrass right now. Special uh, on-the-road edition of Sportsnet today. And uh, with special shows come special co-hosts. Yes, Logan Gordon along with you, but uh, very happy to welcome in the host of Flames Talk here on Sportsnet 960. Pre-game, post-game intermissions on Flames games as well. You know him, you love him. Uh, the one and only Pat Steinberg along with us on this Friday. Hi, Patty. Hi, buddy. How are you? Good, man. Uh, cool to have you out here for a, a cool two-hour edition of uh, our shows today. we got Sportsnet today, a little edition of Flames Talk coming your way at 1 o'clock as we're uh, back out on the road for the summertime. And uh, nice to be out at events again. Nice to be back out here at Speargrass, one of our uh, favorite spots to come to during the summertime. And uh, they get some cool stuff going on here at Speargrass that we're going to tell you about as uh, the day goes on, Patty, but uh, always nice to be out here at one of our favorite spots and a great day to be out here. I think I've probably been coming here for 15 years, I want to say, yeah. that, that uh, we've been doing shows here. I, that, that sounds about right, if not longer. Every time you come out here, it's uh, it looks just a little bit different. The uh, the clubhouse and the halfway house has been here uh, for the longest time. Still looks great. They've got the brand-new event center off to our left, right beside the halfway house, and the course looks like it's in great shape. Shape. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is one of our homes away from home. It's uh, an awesome spot to be, and uh, happy to be here. Yes, we'll tell you more about what we're doing. We'll tell you more about that uh, newly event- opened event center and uh, a cool little golf and dine feature that they've got here going every single Friday. So stay tuned uh, for more details on that uh, coming up later this hour. We bumped them from Thursday to Friday, reuniting a conversation that we used to have. Not all that long ago, probably just before Flamestock really got going, Pat, but uh, you and me will get a chance to chat with one of our favorites, Adnan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Going to join us. We're going to reunite one of our favorite trios together for a little segment uh, coming up in a bit here. But I want to kick the program off with some Flames news today, courtesy of Elliot Friedman. Get your thoughts on this, Pat. We were uh, a day away from the Stanley Cup Finals, finally beginning. Uh, in Las Vegas between the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. But uh, it's been a week filled with off-ice news, whether it's GM news, uh, President of Hockey Ops news, uh, and we're still waiting, of course, here in Calgary for coaching news since Craig Conroy was hired as GM. And we know Elliot or Frank Saravalli, uh, different insiders have thrown out different names. And today, uh, courtesy of Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts written version, Available at sportsnet.ca. It's a condensed 32 thoughts. He's traveling to Vegas and whatnot. But uh, a little piece of Flames news in there from Friedman, uh, uh, from Elliot Friedman, mentioning Pascal Vincent 
who is waiting on Columbus, is apparently set to interview in Calgary. Friedman says he would expect the Flames to cut down their coaching candidate list into next week. So internal candidates, Pat, Gallant uh, has been named, Laviolette's kind of been in the mix, put Alex Tangay in there. And uh, how about uh, reacting to an assistant coach in Columbus in Pascal Vincent being the latest name? Well, and, and he's uh, he's an interesting name because he's got a ton of coaching experience. He's been a head coach for years in the queue. Uh, he made the jump from being a head coach for about a decade, more than a decade. It was about a decade in the queue. Uh, made the jump to being an assistant with the Jets organization. Went from Winnipeg uh, and the Jets to the Manitoba Moose where he was a head coach for five seasons. And he's been back on uh, a bench as an assistant with Columbus the last two years. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of experience there. He's a guy that uh, has been waiting for his first NHL job. So I like that name. It's another interesting name that you can throw into the mix for the Flames because it's a guy that has experience, but at the same time is still a fresh and uh, and, and new name. So I I like when you hear whether it's Vincent, who's got a ton of coaching experience, or Mark Savard and Alex Tange, who have less experience but obviously played in the league a long time. I, I, I like a lot of the names that we're hearing on top of the the internal candidates the only one that i've been uh, that, that i waver on a little bit is gerard gallant just because everything that you hear or or we heard about gallant's exit from new york and him getting the heave ho after two seasons with the rangers 200 point seasons with the rangers was had trouble kind of working as a team or in tandem with his staff, with the general manager, with his coaching staff. Uh, perhaps the message or the messaging stopped getting through to the players and that there weren't always the right adjustments that were made when they were needed to be made. And that just sounds a lot like what we were hearing about Daryl Sutter on the way out. So I think Gerard Gallant's a great head coach. I really do. And I think that the um, connection that he has or has had with uh, Jonathan Huberdeau is is interesting, and that could be an important element. But I, I like I like the idea of some of the the newer, fresher names that we're hearing more so than going down that road. And uh, before we, we circle back to the the Vincent conversation, the one thing about Gallant too that struck me is my biggest thing for Conroy in this higher pat. I don't know how you feel about it because we haven't had a chance to to dive into it. You and me is trying to do what his predecessor wasn't able to do, and that's find a long-term fit here. And I don't put all that. I've said this before, and I know you feel this way. It's not all on Brad Living. There was a COVID shutdown in there. Uh, he inherited Bob Hartley, but he did choose to extend him. Um, Bill Peters' situation was one caused by Bill Peters' actions and um, deservedly got let go from the organization. But that still was five coaches in nine years during Brad Living's tenure. Yep. I think this hire for Conroy needs to fit more of a long-term approach. Agreed. We just haven't seen that in Calgary for too long. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and and Galant is, is just to take a look at the track record and what he's, you know, the, the, the places that he's been, it has not been long stays. He was head three coach. In, everywhere, yeah. Yeah, three, three or parts of three seasons in Columbus, uh, parts of three seasons in Florida, 
parts of three seasons in Vegas and two seasons with the New York Rangers. So he is not he's been a short shelf life guy and and I'm with you. That's not what I think they should be looking for. I think you're looking for somebody that Craig can grow with, uh, that the team can grow with. And so whether that's a Mitch Love or a Ryan Huska internally or one of these guys that we've heard on the external conversations, I think there's a lot to a lot to be said about that and a lot to be said about how that could be a longer term fit. Well the wor- the worrying thing for Gallant for me too is not only have they been short stays, Pat, but they've been short stays with playoff success to a certain degree, right? I mean, they were Western Conference champions in Vegas the last time the Golden Knights went to the went Stanley to the Cup went to the Stanley Final, Cup Finals, right? Yeah. And still didn't last all that long. Almost all of his stops have included postseason appearances. Rangers went to the Eastern Conference Final last year, yeah, exactly, right? But still, that feeling of that just wasn't working for whatever reason and wasn't going to be a long shelf life. I mean, to compound that, look, look, obviously losing always makes things worse, but when you're having, you know, a decent level of success being a playoff team more often than you're not and you're still getting that feeling from the head coach, yep. it, it kind of makes you wonder about the approach. Now, the interesting thing that you said, too, about, about Pascal Vincent here and the thing that I like is what we've heard from Conroy going back to what you asked him at his introductory press conference and what he was looking for in a head coach and, Vincent fits that bill of somebody. He Craig's not afraid to give somebody their first time head coaching opportunity here, and Vincent would be one of those guys that fits that mold of maybe more experience than say a Mitch Love, because he's been up in the NHL and kind of been in that spot, but kind of fits the bill of what Conroy has yep. said. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a first time head coaching hire out of Craig Conroy. Still here. feels like still feels like the internal names are the ones that have the the leg up and and. Um, I'm, I'm really curious if, if that is the way that things go. I'm curious to see if, 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 what the structure looks like. So if they, if they go with an internal name, how many of the current coaches on staff remain with the organization? What does the structure look like? Those are the things that are really interesting to me if indeed they go that way. Like if, if they go with Mitch Love, would that mean that a Huska stays on the staff or would he be looking elsewhere? Cause, you know, he's, he's probably looking for that next step into being an associate or a head coach. If, if Huska ends up being the head coach, does that mean that, you know, Mitch Love is a guy that might look at it and say, you know, you know what, I can, uh, I can j- make the jump. I'm happy being an assistant in the NHL and going. For, I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. curious what the structure looks like if they go internal, because um, it feels like that is still the, you know, what a lot of people think this is going to end up looking like. And you know, right from the get go in the GM search, we heard. You know, don't you know? We were talking about how yeah, Conroy's going to get a long look, and Conroy and Pascal are going to be really, really. Uh, they're going to look really hard and long at both those guys, and and as it went on, that's what we continued hearing. That yep, these guys remain strong candidates. And Elliot was saying things like, um, "Don't don't discount the internal candidates." Well, everything that I'm led to believe is kind of the exact same thing here: is don't discount those internal guys. You're hearing those names from Elliot and Frank all the time as well. So it just kind of feels like the internal hire is what they might be looking at again. And and I'm personally okay with that. I think that. I, I've I've all along felt like hiring internal for GM and head coach makes a lot of sense just knowing the situation the Flames are in this time around. Yeah, and it's interesting to see those parallels between the GM search and the the head coaching search because I do think there's a lot of similarities there, Pat. When you talk about, you know, I think they're casting a wide net. Do I think it's, and I, I'm sure you'd be, you know, in tune to this too, do I think it's as wide a net as Don Maloney cast, perhaps, when it came to GM candidates? No, 
But I, I do like that they're exploring different options. And yes, do I think the internal guys have a leg up and should have a leg up knowing the familiarity that they would have with Craig Conroy and the people in the organization? For sure. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with going out there and looking at new options and looking at guys in different spots, whether it is a Savard or a Pascal Vincent. We heard the exact same thing with the GM search, right? We heard mm-hmm. names that we were like, really, that guy? Or, wow, that's a name I didn't expect to see on the list. And it doesn't mean that there's anything more than exploratory phone calls or, you know, a chance to talk over Zoom nowadays and, you know, sort of get a feel for where they're at and how they feel about the position. But you're right, I think you those guys internally will always have that leg up and should have a leg up. You've got a lot of great candidates here. It's not like we're talking about guys that, you know, you have to squint to find the resume that makes sense for them being the next head coach of the Calgary Flames. Well, now we're at, you know, we've heard probably because you throw Andrew Burnett's name into that as well. Yeah. And Peter Laviolette's name has kind of been uh, loosely connected. Like we're already near 10, 10 names yeah. and you're probably looking at at least 10 more that haven't gotten out there. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be 37 like they did for yeah. the GM. And and again, I don't know how many of those 37 Don Maloney called and said, yeah, I think this guy's going to be the next GM of the Flames. But, you know, even even on a Gallant front, like may, maybe they go down the road of 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 giving him a couple of interviews and talking at length with him, but there's a lot of exploratory things that you can get with. So like, hey, why do you think Jonathan Huberto had the issues that he had? And you hear it from a guy like Gerard Gallant, who's coached him in two spots before, and even if you don't end up hiring him, that's valuable intelligence and valuable information that you've got that you can use even if you don't end up hiring him. So uh, I, I think casting a wide net is important, especially with how disappointing last year was for the Flames. Uh, um, but in the end, I could absolutely see this being a case where, yeah, they cast a wide net. They um, go really in-depth into some of these interviews. But in the end, the, the best guy they may feel is already with the organization, exactly like how things went for the GM. And uh, last point on this before I wanted to ask you about the Stanley Cup final we're about to see uh, tomorrow. The thing that, that struck me, too, going back to the Conroy presser and the sort of similarities we're talking about here, Pat, what did Craig say in all that, too? He said, I'm glad that Don interviewed other people and went through that process. You can't tell me that Mitch Love or Ryan Husker or Kirk Muller wouldn't feel the exact same way that Craig would about it, right? That, hey, I'm glad you went through a search, I'm glad you went through the names, and you came back to me and thought that I was the best choice for the job. That's exactly what Craig Connor did. I imagine that's a good feeling, knowing that somebody did look yeah. elsewhere and did cast a wide net and still felt you were the best option for the organization. Well, it also, I think, bolsters you. Like, in, in Craig's case, I think it bolsters you and, and just cements kind of the um, the authority around the league. The, hey, they, they cast a wide net, and they interviewed a lot of guys, and they still felt like it's Conroy. I think that just makes... Well, it's Craig's first time doing this, Gives too, them a right? little bit more credibility. Yeah. With and so, and I think in this case, same thing. If, if they do end up going internal, and they end up casting a wide net and interviewing a lot of guys, I think even in that locker room it kind of cements whoever they end up hiring that much more and, and gives them a little bit more authority. So uh, I, I, uh, I, think they're, I think by talking to as many people as, as we think they're going to talk to here, I think that's the way to go. So that's the latest on the Calgary Flames head coaching search for Elliot Friedman's 
Uh, 32 Thoughts article on Sportsnet.ca. Pascal Vincent uh, waiting on news in Columbus is set to interview in Calgary. And Friedman says he expects the Flames to cut down their coaching candidate list sometime next week. And uh, I mentioned it earlier, Pat, we've talked so much about off-ice news this week. Dubis, Treliving, coaching around the league. And, uh, by the way, still have a Stanley Cup final that hasn't even started yet. Yes. And gets going tomorrow night in Las Vegas. It turns out to be an extended break now for the Florida Panthers after their sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes and uh, even gives the Vegas Golden Knights a bit of rest, even though they had to go to six against the Dallas Stars. Just uh, curious, your excitement level, your intrigue level for what we're going to see Saturday? It feels like we've had uh, an extended pause to almost forget about the Stanley Cup final for a bit, and all of a sudden it's going to ramp right back up tomorrow night in Vegas. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the series. I, I like the fact that we're going to get a first-time Stanley Cup winner. We know that, um, and I'm excited that you know there's there's some good storylines and there's some there's some stars. And as much as you know, as much as it is frustrating for a lot of Flames fans to see Matthew Kachuk doing what he's doing with the Panthers, it's still been a you know it's been a really solid postseason and an exciting postseason and he's turning into one of the faces of the nhl with what he's done here and he's he's really helping put that panthers team on the map even in south florida so i i i like what we're seeing there and and sports is buzzing right now in south florida with the heat and uh and with the panthers playing uh and you've got you've got jack eichel who how many times did we hear people say, "Oh, you'll never win with Jack Eichel"? Yep. The, 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 you know what, Vegas, they will net. They went and got Jack Eichel. That was the wrong guy. He's not a winner. Well, he's the favorite for the Con Smythe. If Vegas wins the the Stanley Cup, and they've got they've got four wins to do that. So I think there's some some interesting um, stars and some names and some star power. But I actually think, like, I, I know. I've, I don't think I've chosen Florida once in a series. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, so either. I haven't chosen anybody. <laughs> Thank goodness I haven't done predictions just because I, I don't like doing them. But, um, yeah, I've learned that this year on the Sports Center Today bracket side of things that uh, i don't know what's coming back next year it's been a rough slog for me i don't i don't i, I just stopped doing it because it's always <laughs> rough but i i maybe would have chosen florida over carolina or give but i definitely thought toronto was beating them and i definitely thought boston, boston was beating them yeah. and and they made quick work of of the hurricanes so i um i i think this is going to be i don't think that there is a, a clear-cut favorite i i, I think vegas is going to win because i think that they've been a little bit more ready for this and this this core group of players even with you throw mark stone into that mix um they've been all around this for so long they've been to conference finals they've been to a cup final already i think seven guys were in that cup final yeah. uh, in 2018 13 guys were there when they were last in the western conference final like this group has been around it so there's a little bit more experience and, and I think readiness for it, but I think it's going to be a long series. And I'll, I, I like Vegas in it, but I think it's I think it's going to be a real fun one. The storylines are immense in this. It's it's a little bit frightening to me to go through all the list of of everything that we've talked about here because whether you want to talk about the goaltenders and Aiden Hill suddenly becoming whatever the fourth string goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights now as their starter. Uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, I've talked to so many people, Pat, during the playoffs who have said, and Bill Lindsay was the guy who said the former Flame, who's uh, covering the Panthers and was on this team last time they went to the Stanley Cup final. He said this, if Sergey Bobrovsky takes you to a Stanley Cup final and wins it for you, it's all worth it. All that complaining, all that consternation about the contract, it's worth it. End of the day, 
you're happy with it. And how about the two Florida Panthers, former Florida Panthers, that were dusted away in the expansion draft to Vegas, yeah. now playing their former team, Jonathan uh, Marchessault and Riley Smith. Uh, I believe it was Smith that was jettisoned away so they would take Marchessault and leave Good Branson and Petrovic, uh, Flames legends, uh, go, go back to the expansion draft and you shake your head at 10 or 12 different GM decisions to that, and that's one that could directly burn the Florida Panthers six years after it happened, Pat. Now, different GM. That was uh, yes. that was Dale Talon who made those decisions. Yes, but crazy that those two guys are I still know. impact makers on Vegas today heading into this Stanley Cup final against their former team. It actually it, it, it is mind-boggling to think that that is the way that they like they, they were so, and it was Petrovic, the guy that they were so worried, and the guy's barely played in the NHL since. Yeah. And and the other two guys have turned into bonafide, you know, and not, not just everyday forwards, but they're bonafide really good everyday forwards. They're productive, like 50-point guys and more, uh, and and they, they would easily be uh, with the Florida Panthers. So it's, it's actually hard to wrap your head around uh when you're talking about what the uh what what the panthers decided to do and how they went about their business i i there, there were a couple of really bad decisions there columbus uh, with carlson and i think it was minnesota with howla that they they would have really liked to have back yeah there was uh those are the two but of course the big storyline heading into this one uh marcia show and smith and we'll see how they go up against their uh their former team that starts uh, saturday night uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final. It is uh, Sportsnet today. Here, uh, Pat Steinberg, Logan Gordon, along with you from Speargrass Golf Course. Uh, always happy to be out here with our friends. We got Mitch from Speargrass joining us uh, now. Mitch, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm thanks good. For having me on. No, appreciate it. Uh, nice day out to be out on the links, and uh, we've been out here plenty of times. I said to uh, Leon, I think it's probably the least windy it's been since we've come out here. It's a great day out to be on the links. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, this summer. This spring hasn't been too bad for the wind, but uh, we had a good May, and the weather's been really good. So it's been a good start to the year. Nice. And you guys got some cool things going on around here. Uh, I haven't since I've been out here. Uh, you've got the new event center coming up. It's just beside us here. Tell us about uh, what went into that and what uh, what you can bring here to Speargrass with the new event center. Yeah. So we started that uh, was finished last year. Uh, the sprung structure we have over there. So for tournaments, we use it on weekends or any tournaments that we have. And then we have uh, any events and stuff. Uh, it's fully functional out of there. We have the kitchen here in the restaurant, and then we can bring everything over. Um, we have a bunch of tournaments that we've been running out of there. We're also open to doing weddings and stuff down the road, and it helps. It's a little more space in there, and you can kind of have your own private section for your tournament. And then we also have a patio being built outside of it that will have fire pits and stuff for nice. a nice little view for the kind of looking down number nine hole. Yeah, and so you guys were were you needing a space like that? Has it kind of been something in the last couple of years where you were like, we just need an extra space for those sort of turn those big events for the for the golf course? Yeah, exactly. I think we uh, we're starting to kind of outgrow uh, the building we're in right now. Yeah. Um, COVID kind of helped with all that. We uh, <laughs> yeah. golf, as everyone knows, kind of golf took a crazy boom during COVID. That's all we could do. So then we get a lot of tournament requests out of here, and it's just nice being able to separate the tournament from our regular day-to-day golfers and so they can have their own space so yeah it's been a great addition and uh friday's uh golf and dine yeah. uh, a new thing that you guys got going on tell us about that yeah so that's uh 85 dollars every friday and that includes uh golf a meal after your round and a drink um so it's a great deal that's uh fish and chips or steak sandwich every friday sure. so that starts at 1 p.m on fridays and it kind of goes all day and the kitchen stays open till you're off the uh off the golf course 
Um, so yeah, it's a great deal. You can't really go wrong. It's the golf's almost free after you yeah. know, with the with the food and everything. So. Yeah, yeah. Talking about that, yeah, you're always looking for for value spots, right? And anything exactly. that you can bring like that because golf you know depends there's different courses different value things that you can go through and you know this being one of those spots just outside calgary can give you an option hey you know we can go out here grab a meal and you know have that all included cost i think people love to have that sort of thing yeah i agree yeah that's the kind of have to have things like that when you're a half hour out of the city but i think uh what's happened the last couple years and it's been fortunate for us is a lot of people have had to come out here because golf's been so busy in the city it's tough to find tea times in calgary unless you plan a weekend yeah so i think what happened is a lot of people start coming out here doing deals like our golf and dine and then we have a men's night on wednesday and we have a couple other options and it's very reasonably priced for what the course is so people ended up coming making the trip out here and then they've kind of keep coming since uh once you come out here once it's a place you'll want to come again for sure uh and just quickly before we go uh it's gorgeous right off here off the deck uh, looking out there, but how's the course been for you guys? How's the weather been for, for all the course conditions so far? I know it's so early on in the season, but how's yeah. that been for you guys? It was a tough start, uh, just weather-wise. Yeah. We kind of, I think we started two weeks later than we did last year, um, and we pushed to get open because uh, everyone was kind of itching to golf. Yeah. So it was a late start. The winter was long. It was, well, everyone that was lives in Calgary kind of <laughs> knows it. We didn't really get any Chinooks. It was yeah. really cold. So the course took a while to come through, but now it's coming through, and it looks great. We had a great May. Um, I don't think it, we had sun almost every day and we have access to a good amount of water here. So the course is really coming through now and now we're ready for a busy summer. Uh, Mitch, appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us. Looking forward to, uh, should be a great golf season. It looks gorgeous out here. Thanks for hopping I, on, man. I agree. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mitch. It. Mitch from Speargrass joining us. Uh, as we're out here for a special edition of Sportsnet today, we will be back around the corner. Chat with Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinefile Podcast next year on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Yes, it is uh, Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you, a special on-the-road edition of Sportsnet Today. We are live at Speargrass Golf Course on this beautiful Friday afternoon and riding shotgun along with me, the most beautiful co-host anyone could ask for, uh, the host of Flames Talk, Pat Steinberg, along with us as well on this Friday afternoon. And what a perfect opportunity to reunite a conversation that uh, we used to have on the regular between uh, all three of us and our, our most recent guest, and that is, of course, Adnan Verk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Verk, I, I feel so lucky. I get both of my favorite people on the phone at the same time <laughs> in the same place. How are we today, Adnan? Logan, you feel lucky. I feel lucky. I feel like I won a million bucks. You text me and go, hey, how about you, me, and Steinberg reunion? I said, this is incredible. This is like Pacino, De Niro, and Pesci and the Irishman. We got three greats back together again. Thrilled to be with uh, both of you today. Verk. It's good to hear you, buddy. I, uh, I texted him. I texted him randomly last week, asking him where. Uh, speaking of Pesci and De Niro, asking him where Casino ranked among the all-time mob great movies. And, uh, he had a top five, which I think was very That's fair. That's an agreeable decision. Yep, it was. Uh, I was. It was. And 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 the number one was a bit of a surprise. I did not know that Goodfellas ranked number one on the ahead of the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two. I wow. learned. I learned something, and I thought I knew all that I needed to know about Adnan. Yeah, real quick, Patty, my thought process on that is The Godfather 1 and 2 are great, sweeping family sagas. Of course, they're two of the greatest movies of all time. But the way you text me was great mafia movies. And I said, if you really want the inner workings of the mob, 
I don't think any film has done it better than Goodfellas. The way Scorsese draws you, and you know, it's such a seductive movie. It, as the opening line suggests, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You feel that, right? You want to be Henry Hill and have no rules and enjoy the money and the anarchy and the women. And by the end of it, it's just gut-wrenching. He absolutely pulls a bait and switch, and you see this is a completely empty life, cocaine field, yep. absolute disaster. So in terms of a true mob movie, I go Goodfellas. But I'm glad you watched Casino again, because in an odd way, it's underrated. What happened is Goodfellas came out in 1990 and was a cultural phenomenon. You know, Pesci won the Oscar. The film was up for Best Picture. A real return to form for Scorsese and De Niro together. Casino came out five years later, and a lot of people said, well, it feels a little bit too familiar. Pesci playing another psycho, De Niro and Marty again, this time Sharon Stone in the mix. But when you watch it with the benefit of time, you appreciate how great a movie Casino is, particularly the first half. It unfolds like a documentary. A lot of voiceover explaining the whole Vegas um, inner workings. And, you know, by the end, I think it's a little bit long. It does get a little ultra-violent. But I, I think it's a great movie in its own merit. I'm glad you watched it again. Oh, it's one of the best. It's one of the best. That Vice scene, I could watch it. So to, good. I could oh. watch it all day. Charlie T. Charlie T. is who you did that for. <laughs> 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 so Goodfellas was top Casino made top 5 Godfather's in there Is Godfather 2 top 5? What rounds up the top 5 here? Yeah, I think I went Godfather I mean, Patty can correct me But I think I went Goodfellas Godfather 1, Godfather yeah. 2 I think I went Donnie Brasco at 4 And Casino at 5 uh, correct. God, Goodfellas, uh, Godfather 1, 2. Then you also had Scarface, The Untouchables, oh, yeah, yeah. Donnie Brasco, and then Casino. Yeah, I love Donnie Brasco because it's underappreciated. Because, you know, so many of these movies, they glorify <laughs> gangsters. And what Pacino, was, what Pacino was so great about showing is that a lot of these guys are absolute morons. Like, he's so funny as Lefty Ruggiero. And it's a great tragic comic performance because you're laughing at him and yet you feel great sympathy for him because he's such a great actor. You know, that last scene when he says, tell Donnie, if it had to be anybody, I'm glad it was him. You want to start crying. But there's some hilarious scenes in that movie. You know, Lefty gets a tiger. You know, he's making the salt and he's making the breakfast. <laughs> how he gets the name Lefty? Too. Like, there's, like, there's some really funny moments in Donnie Brasco. Even the way he tells him how to carry his money. You know, wise guys don't, don't carry a wallet. Gonna get you some a pair of pants like me. Like, it, it's a funny, funny movie. Uh, Untouchables, obviously, amazing score by Ennio Marconi. Remarkable performances. Connery won the Oscar. He's un- Think about that. Sean Connery steals the movie, and you got Kevin Costner and Robert De Niro in the movie itself. So, Untouchables holds up. And, of course, Scarface. I mean, it's just immortalized by Al. The final ten minutes where he's just sniffing all that cocaine. It's all over his nose. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> yep. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I, and you're going to... Uh... Logan's uh, Spider-Man last night. You're going. I I haven't seen it, but Logan has. You're going tomorrow. Yeah. So I uh, with you guys. Listen, you guys like superhero movies more than I do, but we will completely agree. The first Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was sensational. I mean, just incredible graphic design, genuinely funny, exciting, and that was really smart in the way they used time travel and multiverses and and all that stuff, which now you see in a at six years. Now, I'm a little bit concerned. One critic who I love named Ty Burr, he just wrote a review only giving it two stars. He was kind of critical of it, said it's a little bit joyless, not as much fun. So I'm a little bit concerned, but I'm hoping Ty is wrong because I have high expectations. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm taking the Verk boys. We can't wait. No, you'll have a lot of fun, Verk. It's a bit long. It's a bit more serious tone 
than the first one, so I, I get where Ty's coming from, but I still thought it had plenty of fun moments. I enjoyed every minute of it last night, and the visuals that they put in the work in that movie is incredible. You're going to love that. Yeah, I thought the first one, I mean, remember Nicolas Cage, you like the film noir Spider-Man? It was so inventive, the black and white yep. and the use of the different images. And I, I hope Nick Cage makes a, don't tell me, don't spoil it, but I hope Nick Cage makes, a, makes an appearance. That'd be great. Uh, it's funny, you, Steinberg said he texted you about, you know, Pacino and, and Pesci and De Niro. I thought he would have been asking for advice on how to have 10 or 8 kids by the time he's 73, not uh, about what kind of movies they'd be in, Burke. 83. He's 83. I, I thought it was a joke. I was downstairs. My wife called me. I was watching sports, as usual. And she was, you're never going to believe it. Pacino's having a kid. And I said, this has to be a joke, like from the, you know, the satirical website, The Onion. I don't know if that's still around, but I'm like, everyone knows De Niro just had a seventh kid. He's 79. These two are longtime friends. Not rivals, but often compared to each other. You're a guy, you're a Pacino guy. So I said, this is obviously a joke. And then I dig it. I go, no, it's true. I go, this is incredible one-upmanship by Al. Like, anything you can do, I can do better. 80 <laughs> years of age. I, by the way, by the way, that already is impressive, but a 54-year-old age gap. His girlfriend's 29 years old, and may I say, quite attractive. Like, Alan oh. is still – guy's a machine. Alan's still bringing it. 54-year age gap. Now, she's known for dating older guys. Apparently, she dated Mick Jagger and somebody else before dating Pacino. But now, fourth child for Al. And, you know, I hear all the mockery. Oh, what a horrible thing to do. How selfish is this? You know, this kid's going to go up with a father. Let me tell you something. Al Pacino is never going to die. Al Pacino is living to 120. Okay, he's going to be a part of this kid's life. Come hell or high water, nothing will kill Al Pacino. Okay, he'll be there for this kid. I can't wait. Outstanding. Um, I, I guess we should talk some sports with you while we've got you, Burke. Um, baseball news. Curious, how much of a big deal you think this uh, this San Diego Padres broadcast crew? Uh, with Diamond Sports pulling out and filing for bankruptcy. Is this a, a, a major deal for Rob Manfred to worry about right now? Not right now, Logan, but the doom and gloom is that's the end of TV sports. So what it is is this. We're about to undergo a major transition. So in the past, you know, you had these regional networks that would have the rights and air the games on cable. Now, Again, I'm 44 going on 64. I'm all about DirecTV, which I've had for 13 years, and I love cable because I like flipping around, watching different channels. But even I appreciate the fact we are entering a world in which eventually you are going to have streaming, which will be more dominant than cable. We're not there yet, not even close. That's where the NFL signed seven, eight, nine, ten-year deals with CBS, Fox, NFL. If you still know linear television, as it's called, will exist. But I heard someone very smart say Cable will always exist. It will just be diminished. They said, you know, when television came about, radio wasn't eradicated. Radio still exists. It just exists in different forms for different audiences. So I'm still of the belief cable television will exist in some form or fashion. But what it means for baseball and the Padres specifically is this. Rob Manfred and baseball now take over the rights to the Padres, is my assumption, with, with regards to the streaming rights. So basically they will say, all right, if you want to watch Padres games, rather than in the past, you'd be part of your cable package and it would go towards Bally Sports or the past Fox Sports. Um, now it'll go towards the league. So to be able to watch the Padres games, I'm just throwing out a number. You pay $25 a month and you can stream all the games on MLB.com and that's the way it'll be. So it's, the term is direct to consumer. Essentially baseball will, will determine the rights. 
again, on a layman's view, fellas, it's good news, bad news. The bad news is, of course, these regional networks are paying a lot of money for the rights. So now that money goes away. But the good news is now, with Major League Baseball taking care of it, the money will go directly to them. So rather than, you know, it's almost like rather than subletting the rights, rather than subletting your condo, you know, someone's just paying you the direct amount of money for it, you're kind of cutting out the middleman. So I think in the initial stages, the next little while, it could be a little tricky, a little awkward, some growing pains. But like five years from now, a lot of these teams I could see going through that model because the fact Sinclair and Bally's just is having huge financial stress, and apparently they just can't afford the rights to these to these properties. So, you know, certain places like the Yankees, uh, the Cubs, the Red Sox, you know, they've got major superstations behind them. The Yankees have Yes, the Red Sox have Nesson, uh, Cubs have Marquee, Dodgers have their own Fox Sports West. Like, that's fine. But your Clevelands, your Kansas Cities, and even surprisingly the Padres, you know, they're going to be just available for streaming directly off MLB. So. Listen, if you're a baseball fan, you will always watch your team. It'll just be a different method in which you're watching them. Verk, what uh, what jumps out at you about this Stanley Cup final? I, I know up here people are, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about ah, Vegas and Florida. Uh, I, I don't know if it's hitting the way that a lot of people want it to north of the border, but how's uh, what's the buzz like uh, around hockey circles in that country? Well, it's interesting because, you know, I get to work, as you know, Patty, with NHL Network people as well. So I always see them in the hall. I see, you know, E.J. Raddick and Ken Danico. We're all so happy for Billy Lindsay. Bill Lindsay's been with us for a while, and, of course, he's the emblem of the 1996 Panthers. There was a great clip NHL Network posted on social. When Billy got choked up, he, somebody asked him, you know, after the Panthers had swept him, what's it like? And he started getting choked up. Like, oh, my God. I, I, and Billy's an awesome guy, but I've never seen him get emotional. He's like, oh, my God, I, this has hit me harder than I thought. Like, he's obviously works for the Panthers in the radio department, but – Collectively, we're all kind of pulling for the Panthers for Billy. But I say as a, as a hockey fan, either way, it's a good story. Vegas, which could be the most successful franchise ever in terms of expansion teams, in terms of hitting the ground running, and in six years winning a Stanley Cup, yep. if they win it, making a previous appearance, obviously always being in the playoffs, seemingly always in the conference final, that will be the great story in hockey history. If the Panthers win, you say, wow, this is an eighth seed that won the President's Trophy a year ago undergoes some changes, massive trade, obviously, with your Flames, bringing a new coach in Paul Maurice, who I've always loved, dealt with him a little bit in Toronto, great, dry, self-deprecating sense of humor. The team fights and claws to make the playoffs, but Maurice is emphatic that this style of play will pay dividends come playoff time. They not only knock off the Goliath that is the Bruins, dispatch the Maple Leafs, and then just take care of business like the Hurricanes. Like, I think either way you're in for a tremendous story. Panthers' first Stanley Cup win ever, and they do so as an eighth seed, or Vegas proves they're the greatest expansion franchise ever and wins the Stanley Cup. So, honestly, Patty, I think if, again, casual fans, they would have preferred if it was a major original six team, if it was Rangers and Leafs and Bruins. But, honestly, if you're a hockey fan, you can sell yourself it's a compelling argument. And, again, if you want stars, you guys know how special Kachuk is. Seeing what he's doing on this kind of a stage, it's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, it's and it's, it's big for uh... – it's big for U.S. hockey when you've got two American superstars going head-to-head like this. And, and, you know, if they ever go back to the Olympics, Jack Eichel and Matthew Kachuk are going to be faces of, of a U.S. team. To, to have those two going head-to-head is pretty neat as well. And I, I think it's, uh, it's a big deal for U.S. hockey, I think. It's a great point. A lot of chirping I take in the office. 
as soon as the Canadian team is getting eliminated. And my point immediately is, yeah, but all the best players are always Canadian. So, yeah, the Stanley Cup is not technically owned by a Canadian team since 93, but half the league is Canadian. So 50% of it's Canadian. Eventually they will win the Stanley Cup, and they'll spend most of their time at their cottages in Muskoka and, you know, uh, the Okanagan Valley and who knows where. But this is painful, Patty, because you're right. They keep telling me, no, I don't the American players are the stars here. So it's, it really is a great push for U.S. hockey. And you're right. Both those guys will be, be signature names and synonymous with the program moving forward. Uh, what's going on in Cinephile, Verk? I see you uh, you dove into some wrestling uh, on the latest edition. Well, we couldn't do much better than Monica Bellucci in terms of being easy on the eyes and being an actress of some renown. <laughs> but I may have taught myself, may have taught myself logo. Kind of on a heater right now. Natalie Eva Marie, former WWE diva, who in a word is breathtaking, and also has done some movies. She was in a film with Nicolas Cage called Inconceivable, Hard Kill with Bruce Willis. So I reached out to my wrestling friend, and I, I just cold texted her. I said, hey, this is who I am. would love to have you on my podcast. Didn't hear an answer for a few days. I said, man, that's a bad sign. I, you know, I haven't been dating in a while, but that's what it's like to get ghosted. Huh? Okay, good reminder. But then, boom, she was like, hey, I'm would love to do it so natalie eva marie uh look at the clips on my social if you haven't already she was on mlb network huge giants fan she threw out the first pitch at a game back in 2021 will clark her favorite player as patty remembers my wife's from san jose so immediately i had that connection with her she's from walnut creek california which is about a half hour north of san francisco so fantastic conversation she's got stories about nick cage bruce willis wrestling uh her love of the giants it was fantastic stuff and of course Cinephile is the name of the podcast. It's all movies, but we had to dive into TV shows. Pretty remarkable. Three major yes. shows wrapped up in three days. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which won the Earth, best. You know me so well. Comedy series. Yeah. I mean, Maisel won the best original comedy series back in 2018. Brosnahan's won best actress. Borstein's won supporting actress. That show wrapped up on Friday on Amazon Prime. Succession, which is a real, you know, water cooler hit, along with being a critically acclaimed show, that wrapped up Sunday. And by the way, on the pod, I gave all the spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, shame on you. Just don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> and then Barry, which, Barry, which, Logo, you and I know, like, that's one of those shows, if you like Bill Hader, that's a different, unique, funny, dark show. Henry Winkler, amazing. So three great shows gone. But here's the difference, fellas. Back in the 80s, if I told you Family Ties and Cosby shows ending, oh, my God, what will we do with ourselves now? Now there's so much content, you just shrug your shoulders and go, okay, on to the next one. Like, three great shows end, and already there's three great shows lined up now. It's, it's amazing just the world we live in now where content is king. Latest season of Ted Lasso finished up as well recently, and were you into any of those, Steimer? I didn't. I haven't. I haven't touched Succession. I uh, uh, although it's been all over my Twitter feed for weeks now. I'm about uh, two episodes behind on Succession, so I'm almost caught up, and uh, I will be by the time the weekend is done. And I have not gotten spoilers yet, so I'm I uh, nice. I'm looking forward to the finale of Succession. Um, so I'm I'm about two episodes behind there, and the rest I have not watched Barry. Uh, I didn't you do love Ted Barry. Lasso, um, but I. I, I'll, I'll catch up eventually. The one thing about Steinberg here is logo. Like he is dedicated. Like the Sopranos he missed on. He promised me he'd watch it and bam, powered through 86 episodes and agrees with me. It's one of the greatest shows ever. So when Steinberg says he's going to do it, it will, it will happen. Like he's doing a conference. He will watch yep. the shows. My man is a man of his word. 
I eventually watched uh, The Many Saints in Newark and it took me a while, but as soon as I watched it, I texted you. I, I, I am a man of my word. And before, I, I promise I will not spoil the succession, but just your thoughts on it, Patty, because we haven't talked about it. Someone said to me, you know, sell me on it. And I go, well, it's nasty people doing nasty things, but God, it's entertaining. And I said, it's so funny and so well written, and the cast is just remarkable. How would you sell it to somebody? Yeah, I would say it's like uh, it's it's kind of like a behind the scenes of the super rich and the super ruthless and how they go about their business. And uh, it's interesting because a lot of people compared it to what was happening with Rogers and, and our parent company uh, about a year ago. And it was like, oh, it's kind of like succession. And and, um, and and so it was it, which which is super interesting. And and I and, and the thing that I would always say is that. It is so well acted. Like everybody on every character, you can just buy, and every character has their own uh, their own identity, right? So whether whether you're like Logan Roy or or in the way Jeremy Strong plays Kendall, like it, it is such a well acted series. That's the first thing that I say to anybody is this: if you like, if you just like good acting and people selling you on characters and and really strong development to characters, watch Succession. Yeah, I didn't watch the first season, and I knew it was, you know, a, a cult hit at the time. It won a couple Emmys, and I thought I said, just watch it. And I said, well, to your point, I go, I really only know Brian Cox, so I know he's a great actor. I don't know the rest of him. He said, listen, you watch this, you're going to love Jeremy Strong. This guy's legit. And then I said, okay, and I gave it a couple episodes, and I was hooked right away. And he goes, what was it? I go, it's the humor. I go, there's, it's such, it's such a really well written show, and the humor is so scathing, and the cast is so uniformly excellent. But it was funny going into that show. I knew Brian Cox. I knew he'd be brilliant, and he is. But Jeremy Strong, to me, is the takeaway is the one to watch. Kind of like with The Sopranos, I knew Gandolfini yep. would be great, and he was. But you and I always had a soft spot for Michael Imperioli as Christopher Moltisante. He was amazing. Yep. Yep, 100%. And it's uh, very similar with, uh, with Kendall Roy and Jeremy Strong. I, I agree completely. Start watching it, Logo. I'm stuck watching. I think you should leave right now. I haven't started that yet. Come I on. Will. I will this weekend. It's it's on the docket for this weekend. Fine. Whatever. Uh, Vert, this was everything I hoped it would be and more. Just uh, too short. Uh, I'll think about this for a long time until we do it again. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Logo, it's fitting because I was talking about these shows ending. This felt like you know, those TV reunions, right? Ten years later, what happened to the cast of ER? Friends has a reunion on Max. This is what this was like. This was like our TV version. Steinberg, Burke, and Logo back together again. Oh, you're the best, Burke. Thanks for the time, as always, pal. Have a great weekend. See hey. you, Burke. Good to talk to you, pal. Awesome. Thanks, Patty. Great to reconnect, man. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, Logo. And then Burke joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You know him. You love him. Uh, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Uh, our usual Thursday regular here on Sportsnet today, but uh, kind enough to join us on a Friday and great to reunite uh, in a conversation with Patty, myself, and Adnan Verk. we got to get out of here. Uh, hour one of Sportsnet today is in the books. We're going to turn things over to a special edition of Flamestock. We are live here from Speargrass Golf Course. Continue with us next around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.